Okay, so it's a story about a girl who is a descendant of an alien race that controls this planet. Mm-hmm. And to give you a bit further background, do you know much about the Sumerian tablets and Sumerian mythology? Um, I've been a YouTube expert for a while now. Okay, so um, you'll know enough that there was a guy called Zachary Sitchin who read Yep, the I know Zachary Sitchin. Yep, yep, definitely. Okay. So you'll know his interpretation that Nibiru is a planet which was once in our solar system. Yep. And it got destroyed through war and that the, the, some of the, they call them the Anunnaki, yep. which means they from, which come from the sky or whatever, came mm-hmm. to Earth and they manipulated the DNA of the Homo erectus and created humans and made them their slave race. Yep. Basically, my story is based on that philosophy. Yo, family, what's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Soul's podcast. This is your host, Jonathan Soul. Family, what we do in the program is I talk to African creatives. I talk to folk from the diaspora, people who create comics, write fiction, people who indulge in serial entrepreneurship. So, family, if you're trying to create your own place in the world, if you're trying to write the future the way you want to see it, you need to tune into this program. JonathanSoul.com every Sunday and Wednesday. And I do comic reviews on Friday. Love you guys. Now check out this interview. Jonathan Soul. Yep. 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 How you doing, Chris? I am really good, thank you. Cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. Now, when I go to Amazon, when I go to Amazon and I look up C.E. Allen, what I find is the ancient ones. Prophecy of Elat. Did I pronounce that right? You pronounce it correct, yes. Solid, right on. So before we get into that, before we get into that, uh, we're recording this on January the 9th, and that's going to be, what is that, like uh, 11 days before our boy gets in the office? <laughs> I know, right? So I got to ask you, man, I got to ask you, I don't have no, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of mostly detaching myself from the whole thing, but give me, just give me your thoughts, your impressions. You know, how about this? Give me a best case scenario and a worst case scenario for this whole Trump administration. Your thoughts? I can't think of a best case scenario. Okay. Best case scenario is if he does anything crazy that uh, Congress will shut it down. All right. Um, what I'm concerned about, if I'm honest with you, uh-huh. is his views on one about nuclear weapons. All right. I was always concerned that he seems um, war, like war hungry. And I'm okay. concerned that his disregard for international relations, that he, he can potentially cause a war. Hmm. And, and that's my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- I'm still shocked that he actually even won the presidency. I remember when he did get elected, you could hear I'm from Britain. Yeah. Everyone from England <laughs> called me. Everyone <laughs> or text me saying what happened? How did it win? How did he win? Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty unbelievable. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. People are still in shock. Now, let's be honest. Did they say what happened or did they say what the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Every, every, every word under the sun. But they're going through their thing as well because of Brexit as well. See, they were very... see many of them voted and then they realized what they'd done and then they were upset afterwards. Wow. I don't think they understood what they did when they came out of um, Brexit. 
Right, right, right. Now, see, I think that the same feelings, the same vibration that caused your folks over there to vote for Brexit is yes. the same feeling and vibration that caused people to vote for Trump over here. Yeah, they won't change. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's like, okay, every the whole world was hopeful when, when Obama came in. He was the golden child. He was a shiny penny. Everybody thought, you know, this this guy, you know, he knows what it's like to struggle. I mean, that was the assumption. Right. Yes. And so he came in and it was it was like the second coming of Christ. Yes. And then you realize he's just doing the same shit that everybody else did. So <laughs> so I guess from my from my perspective, I see two things with the Trump thing for the positive. I think that it'll it'll kind of cause the people on the periphery, the very angry, very ignorant folks to realize that in a way, no matter who you put in office, there's certain infrastructure in place that kind of keep cranking on, that we're just changing faces, but behind the faces, the same thing. So we need more of a, a substantial change just in terms of governance, right? Yeah. Um, one. And so two, um, I think this kind of, in, in terms of the economy, I think it's kind of waking people up to the idea of starting businesses and and uh, and you know owning property and all this kind of stuff because maybe the economy might not go the way Trump is telling us. You know, I just I look at the math and I'm like, how can you bring jobs back when the dollar is 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 is, is kind of taxed so high compared to other currencies and it's just cheaper. You get quality labor. You know what I mean? It's just like when you. When you do the math, it's like, I don't know, but... Mm. I when, think his idea of bringing back jobs is stopping large companies from s s putting jobs overseas. Mm -hmm. And so, as he says, he's going to put strict tax laws on them so they have to bring it back. Mm -hmm. um, I, d I don't know how much that's going to work to really improve the economy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit skeptical. Because, again, the other side of the coin is many companies won't survive if they couldn't get the cheaper labor abroad. Well, that's true. That's very how, true. How they make the profit. They won't be able to, you know. Mm -hmm. And so bringing those, I, I don't see how it's going to work. Yeah. Because himself does business abroad. He don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it's proven that he's got businesses. He does business abroad. True. You know, so I'm, I'm not so, I'm not too optimistic about his, economy plans but we'll see i don't think he will do anything too much to damage it at the moment no i mean i think no matter who you put in there there's there's what i call a continuity of policy that kind of remains the same kind of yeah. thing you know that somehow i think i think the this this year the wonderful thing about this whole election cycle is that it shows us that the only people who vote for the president is the people in the electoral college oh my gosh Exactly. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've learned about the Electoral College, there's 538 people within it, it's right. an elements of Congress, mm -hmm. and only fair vote counts. So our, well, I didn't get to vote because I'm only a resident alien. I'm not a citizen. Mm -hmm. But all the citizens that vote, it's really, it's a waste of time. It's totally, it's just ceremonial. And so it didn't dawn on us. Yeah. out to vote, your vote counts. Is bullshit, right? Absolutely. Now, now here's the thing that's interesting. In my neighborhood, the local city council passed a rule 
uh, ordinance that says that resident, I guess, resident aliens or immigrants can yeah. vote in local elections here. Really? Yeah, yeah, I was blown away. Wow. So, wow. I mean, that, well, there's, there's no, well, I guess local elections are different, but it's the, um, it's the national one that counts. And, I suppose, but so, so like you said, I mean, the people in electoral college, there's mostly, you know, people in Congress. There's, um, like, for example, Bill Clinton, the former president, he's part of electoral college. Okay. They're, they're mayors, they're lobbyists, right? Yes. Ba- basically, the party faithfuls are the yep. members of the electoral. That's why it's hard for a third party to get in there because the people who, who are actually voting are either Democrat or Republican. You know what yeah. I mean? So we're kind of so when there's a small group of people that controls everything. What's that called? A plutocracy or something? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> now over in Britain, do y'all have the same thing, or is it just us no, no, that are, no, it's that are crazy out here? Um, there's because obviously there's no states. It's just the one country. Right. It's just whoever gets the most votes wins. Wow. We're, and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. So, uh, is there voting in your novel, in the Ancient Ones world that you're building? Is there voting there? <laughs> <laughs> it probably makes more sense than what we got over here in America, man. Let's, 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 let's get off of the Trump thing, man. I always want to hear uh, uh, people's uh, opinion on it, only because um, Trump seems to be the boogeyman, right? Oh, he's the topic of the season, man. You know what I mean? Twitter a lot, and man, there's most tweets are just about him, and he's active on Twitter a lot himself. Can yeah, you like, tell me why he tweets himself. more? Can you tell me why he tweets more than my teenage daughter? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he's a very petty man. Dude he's is seventy petty. some years old. He's more active on social media than Obama. <laughs> For him to go out his way to talk about how his um, viewership was higher than Arnold Schwarzenegger's for the Apprentice <laughs> is unbelievably petty. Um, you know it's going to happen, right? You know okay. it's going to happen, right? There's going to be some big event. Well, after like he's going to be president for a couple months, right? Then there's yeah. going to be some big event, but then there's going to be like a special episode of Apprentice, and he's going to talk about that shit first. And then he's going to say, oh, yeah, Putin's here. You know what I mean? Something crazy like that. Now also, again, the relationship with Putin and the way he speaks so highly of Putin all the time in Russia, it's pretty unbelievable to me that he's doing that. It, it blows me away. It is It is crazy. Uh, now, over there... Is, go ahead. That, that his... I understand there's people that voted for him and I've heard their views and I, have to, I respect everyone's views. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand how you can justify... Someone that we've had, um, America's had, what's the right word for it? There's always been a competitive edge between the USA and Russia. Sure. And then all of a sudden to make out that you and Russia are so, such good buddies is just unbelievable. It mm-hmm. just don't make no sense to me. How, I don't know how you justify it. I do not understand how you could justify it. It's unbelievable to me. It's crazy. But on the other side of the coin, though, I'm hearing from intelligence, they're saying that Russian hackers are the ones that provided the information to WikiLeaks, etc. Mm-hmm. I do, because I'm not one, I'm not the sort of person that just believes everything I read. I want solid evidence. Mm-hmm. I want to see the solid evidence. I want you to convince me to the point where I'm saying there's no way 
that um, Russia didn't get involved. That's the sort of information that I want. And they're not providing that for us. So I'm not satisfied that Russia did get involved enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's say that the, the quote unquote evidence, I'm making air quotes, let's say the evidence that Russia is manufactured. So what would be the modus? What would be the reason behind trying to make Russia the bad guy in this scenario? What would be the motive to make Russia the bad guy? Yeah. In other words, it seems like, okay, the, the reason why, you know, Hillary lost and Trump won is because of Russia. I mean, that's the, that's the narrative that I think the media, part of the media is, or at least the government is trying to, uh, is trying to spin. Yeah. I got, I've heard, I read about, there are certain laws that America, I can't remember exactly what it was that, um, some embargoes that, America's put up against Russia and it was to do with Exxon oil. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. I can't remember exactly what it was and I wish I did, mm -hmm. but I know that. And then it's no coincidence. Now the secretary of state is the ex CEO, um, Exxon oil. I don't know if there's any connection to that. I um, saw that. I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah. So I, I saw that, um, you know, it might have a cousin who has a saying, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm sure that there's some kind of profit motive uh, to hire these CEOs that have no political experience yeah. into these That's, offices where I, they were. Yeah. I'm convinced there is. But, and we won't know until we see certain things happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, even in all of this, I think there's there's opportunities. Um, there's a book that I like to uh, to listen to called The Iron Heel. Um, okay. it's, it's a book by Jack London. Um, it's, it's really the only book of his. Well, it's the only writing of his that I've listened to probably like 50 times. And it kind of yeah. talks about, you know, the oligarchy in America and around the different countries and then the socialists and the workers and the overthrow and the whole bit. And so it has a real political spin. But the gist of the story is about two soulmates, right? This girl who was kind of from a wealthy family and this guy who was like this street preacher, politician kind of guy, and they kind of got together and they became these revolutionaries. So I guess what I'm trying to say is even in this uh, seemingly dark climate that, that Trump may usher in, there's still opportunity for creativity. There's still opportunity for people to get their point across in different works and, and so forth like that. Um, in the past, I think that art has reflected life, but I feel like with the with the social media and and with the and the ebooks and everything, I feel like art can impress, can can influence life. I feel like maybe some of you guys can kind of help change. You know, writers like yourself can kind of help change the way people think, and maybe you could push it the other direction. Yeah, I, I think art's had an influence on people for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For years. Um, I grew up watching movies on Greek mythology, Star Wars. Star Wars is the big one for me. Mm -hmm. And it had a massive impression on me. I don't think it was for films like that I would never be able to even write my book. What what kind of impression? Can you quantify how important Star Wars was to you? It was. It had all the elements of the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. which you see within not just movies, but within, even within spiritual books okay. where you have someone that is born um, 
in some sort of supernatural way, um, they have they have to find themselves, and then once they find themselves, they go on their journey. But they have to learn certain things throughout the journey, and then they, ha- yeah, how can I put it? Um, it's about the it's about the it's about the journey of overcoming certain things. And then you'll and certain things that they have in common, even including sometimes they have to die and then come back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain elements of the hero story that Star Wars kind of um, had the father and son relationship as well. Uh-huh. Star Wars has, okay. um, you know, the prophecy mm-hmm. of the chosen one. Star Wars has as well. Yeah, um, I think. The beauty of Star Wars is, even though it's got a lot of deep elements in it, at the heart of it, it's an action adventure. It's an action and adventure story. Yeah, which um, I think captured everyone during that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think some of the young people appreciate Star Wars as much as the people my age and older. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. You say that. Um, I let's see. I was taken to the theater. See, back then that came out. I think the first one came out in 74 or something. So I was in elementary school. It was 79? The first yeah. one? Uh, a oh, New 78, Hope? 78, 79. Okay. So I was in elementary school. And yeah. my mom took me and uh, me and my little sister. And uh, it was a beautiful movie, but I didn't understand how heavy it was until years later. I mean, yeah. it is, I think, and this is, I'm kind of taking this from a commentary I heard from a writer, a journalist named Mumia Abu-Jamal, a yeah. terrific journalist, a political prisoner. And he basically said that one of the reasons why Star Wars was so impactful in the 70s is because America was having a crisis of identity, like identity crisis. We had the war going on and different things. Nixon, you know, Nixon was their Trump kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and when we looked at Star Wars, when I say we, the adults back then, so they, when yeah. they looked at Star Wars, they saw themselves as the rebels, right? Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, the evil empire was, when in actuality, we was the empire. Yeah. And the, the brown people that we was dropping bombs on, yeah. they was the rebels. But we didn't want to, we didn't want to admit that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh, that's so deep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why people clung to that so hard because they didn't want to look in the mirror for real, for real. Yeah, yeah, you know I, what I mean. So I think that I think that movies like that and 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 and, and you know books like that, you know what I mean it can, it can really tell us a lot about the individual, the character. I mean, it's heavy, man. It's it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. Okay. Now you did mention Hero's Journey, and yeah. you know some 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 books is easier to see those plot points than others. I mean, yes. when you write, do you follow that like strictly, or do you kind of you know, fudge the edges a little bit, you know, tell me about how you craft the story. When I write, um, I kind of got, um, I've got a sort of idea of an overview. What happens is I think of a scenario mm-hmm. of something traumatic that happens. Mm-hmm. And I focus on one character and I just follow their journey of what happens, what they do. It's like I'm in a, I don't know if you could say a dream state, but I'm just following what they do. And I, I write down what I see mm-hmm. and then I write down what actions they take. I write down what they say. I actually don't plot. I don't know what's going to happen. Wow. I just follow the story throughout until it ends. 
So you're the first fan. You're the first fan to read your book. Technically, yes, because I can read my, I can write something, and then I see something that happens, and I'll be shocked. Mm -hmm. Like no, no way. I can't believe it. I don't even want to write it, but I have to write it because it's the story. Wow. Um, You've been writing a while. Um, Have you ever heard the phrase "kill your darlings"? Oh yes, and I do kill my darlings. I I absolutely do. That's if I don't a, like something, I'll start all over again. Mm-hmm. To me, that's some that's some painful shit right there. It used to be at first, but mm-hmm. now it isn't. Really? Stand it's just it's just a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, because I follow my character and I see what they do, one decision that they make can end up getting them killed. So I have to go back in time and make them start all over again. Hmm. So that they can make a different decision and then you follow out and then you see what happens when they make that different decision. Wow. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I don't mind killing my darlings. It's, it's just part of the process. That's something, I think, man. I think killing your darlings will be more painful if you have to write, if you're a person that has to write under a deadline and you've got to have your book done within a certain time period. Okay. Then the pressure's on you. Yeah. Because you don't want to throw away too much and you don't want to have to kill so much. So, um, you don't want to have to throw away so many chapters. I technically don't do that. But what I do, I will say is I don't actually throw in my chapters. I put them in a separate folder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can write something and then I can, and something I wrote before can fit into what I'm writing afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that happens a lot as well. Okay. Okay. So uh, was this the process when you wrote uh, The Ancient Ones, The Prophecy of the Alat, volume well, one? Interestingly, the very first time I wrote it, I tried to plot. I did all the plotting, and I tried to structure it like a, like like as if it was a movie with um, hitting certain points. So you've got your beginning, you've got your middle, you've got your ending, mm-hmm. and the and the book sucked. It was absolutely terrible. So I rewrote it. I re I scrapped the whole thing, and I started again, just using the natural process of without plotting, just following the character's journey. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot better for me. Wow, much better. What What was the most that when you write? Is there like an emotional engagement, or are you just kind of like a like a observer, kind of just watching from above? I mean, when you when you I'm write, I'm an observer, and there's an emotional connection because everything I write, my characters are like it's like they're real to me. Okay, so there's definitely an emotional um, element there because if they're sad, I can feel that sorrow. Mm. If, heartbroken i could feel it mm-hmm. so there's definitely an emotional connection that's something that's something i uh i saw this uh tweet by this guy that said um it's the writer's job to make their character's life as miserable as possible do you agree with that <laughs> yes to a point okay. but i understand what he's saying because it makes the story interesting mm-hmm when everything just keeps going wrong and sometimes life can be that like that right just yeah. everything keeps going wrong and you just gotta keep walking forward you've got to keep moving forward until something works out right and mm-hmm. yes um i hear where he's coming from because that's what makes the story interesting because you're like because you want to know how they're going to overcome it right right now of course i replied back to the brother if that's true then we can't go bitching to god now can we <laughs> Absolutely not. You can't, right? 
Oh man, we got it from someplace, man. We got it from someplace. <laughs> I mean, I remember writing, um, you know, working on this section of the story in the coffee house. I'm sitting in the middle, all these college kids around me, you know, what I mean, I'm just writing. And I come to this place where, you know, one of the characters loses somebody that he loves in a very terrible way. And, you know, what I mean, I'm, you know, I think it was Dusty in there because my eyes got a little, you know, I think it was just yeah. dust and wind that got in my eyes. It was like, fuck, man, I can't be doing it. But I had to finish writing the scene. And I'm, you know what I mean? That's why I asked you, uh, do you are you just watching? Because I was caught, I was, you know, like you said, I was feeling what the brother was feeling. And I was like, God damn, man, let me hear him finish writing this scene, man. I'm looking like a fool out here. No, so, no. um, so you said that you kind of let the process go naturally, yes. but I'm sure you give your, do you give yourself deadlines? Is there milestones? I mean, describe the process a little bit. The first book, yes, I did. The second book, um, I have been taking my time with it, but I have said to myself, this year I'm going to complete three books. So mm -hmm. I have to give myself a deadline. Beautiful, beautiful. Year. But last year I kind of didn't because um, I, I was caught up with so many other projects at mm -hmm. the same time. Okay. But this year, no, I definitely want to be releasing a few boxes. I want to be releasing at least three books this year. Mm -hmm. Tell us about The Ancient Ones, Prophecy of the Allot. Okay, so it's a story about a girl who is a descendant of an alien race that controls this planet. And to give you a bit further background, do you know much about the Sumerian tablets and Sumerian mythology? Um, I've been a YouTube expert for a while now. Okay, so um, you'll know enough that there was a guy called Zachary Sitchin who read Yep, I know Zachary Sitchin. Yep, yep, definitely. Okay. So you'll know his interpretation that Nibiru is a planet which was once in our solar system. Yep. And it got destroyed through war and that the... the some of the, they call them the Anunnaki, yep. which means they from which come from the sky or whatever came mm -hmm. to Earth, and they manipulated the DNA of the Homo erectus and created humans and made them their slave race. Yeah, basically, my story is based on that philosophy. Oh, that's dope. So, okay, that's dope. All right, because it's never been done before. No, nope. what blows me away is it's the oldest, the first mythology there ever is. Hmm. Every mythology you can think of comes from Sumerian mythology. Mm -hmm. And even most religions have stories that come from the Sumerian texts. Hmm. It's pretty unbelievable. So, um, you all know of Anubis and Enki and whatever. So, this girl is a descendant of the Anunnaki. I don't mm -hmm. really use the word. The ancient ones technically are the Anunnaki. Mm -hmm. Um what happens is that um, at the beginning of the story, there's a man called Joseph Collins, and he gets a phone call that one of the leaders, one of the Anunnaki, one of the leaders of the Anunnaki, have his family hostage. And Kai, I'm not to go into too much detail, but basically, right. the alien kills all of them. Hmm. Story force fast forward 14 years later, and then you find out that the child, who was six years old at the time, but now she's 20, actually survived, but no one knows that she survived. Wow. And, and I've created different realms and worlds. So you know how 
say in Christianity, you believe there's a heaven and there's a hell. Mm -hmm. There's certain, I've created different dimensions. So one will be Eden, which will represent kind of like heaven, but it's another world to itself. Mm -hmm. Then you have earth where we live. And then the third realm, which some people might call hell, it's, I named it Agatha, which is a place where some people believe that the earth's hollow mm -hmm. and there's world there. Wow, so, you dealt with that one too? That's cool, yeah. man. Wow, so, okay. The only way you could get access to these realms are through port. If you're on Earth, there are portals under the Earth. Mm -hmm. Within labyrinths under the Earth, and they're the only way you could get access to them. So this girl is in another realm. She's in the realm of Eden. Mm -hmm. The person who rescues her comes to see her 14 years later. She's now 20 years old. She's going to bring her back to the second realm, Earth, back to her home in New York, where she could start to live her life as normal again. She doesn't need to be in hiding no more. Okay. What When the story kicks in is that the people that tried to kill her, the alien people that tried to kill her family in the first place, find yeah. out she's still alive. Mm -hmm. They go out their way to destroy her, to kill the girl. Wow. And she has to do everything in her power to survive. And the story is how does she survive, and That's, what does she do to stop it? Man, that is that is very cool. I mean, I, I've watched several, uh, uh, you know, lectures with Zachariah Ascension and, and and all the stuff that he talked. And there are other people that kind of claim him, you know, uh, as an inspiration. And uh, <clears throat> the thing about those guys, even the Hollow Earth people, I can't deal with the flat Earth, but the Hollow Earth people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so beautiful how, you know, they give you just enough science. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then after a while, it gets real fuzzy. And so that's beautiful, you know, because I, I kind of believe that in the ancient world, there, there probably was a time when religion and science were the same thing. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, science was just catching up with religion kind of, you know, just like. Uh, Einstein, he would imagine stuff and then try to come up with the math to figure it out. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So it sounds like that's what you're doing in this. It's nice that you're taking these themes that have been kind of floating around uh, different circles and kind of, you know, mixing them all in this kind of pot. That's that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. And it's very scientific as well in terms of um, they have vast scientific knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, the girl, you could call, because she's, she's a descendant, she's a hybrid. Okay. So the hybrids, they go to special schools where they get vast knowledge, scientific knowledge. Wow. And through that knowledge, they have powers. Mm -hmm. So their power is limited to what their knowledge is. If it could be scientifically done, they can do it. Wow. So That's if they cool. can teleport, it's because it could scientifically be done. Does that make sense? So Yeah. So, so their power is dependent on... Um, Practice and knowledge. Okay. Of what they do. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So there's no true magic in the no, worlds that you're building. It's just science. It's technically science. I named it Kishbu because all the words I use are um, Sumerian words. Okay. Wow. So even, right. even so, prophecy of the Elat. Elat means supreme one. Okay. So it's all all Sumerian. So no, they can do what they can do because they know how to do it. Gotcha. It's almost like uh, if we went back a hundred years ago and they ever saw an iPhone, they'll think it's magic. 
Exactly right. That's true. You understand what I mean? But yep. it's not magic to us. We understand the technology. It's just normal mm-hmm. to us. Wow. You understand what I mean? So yep. that's how it is for them. They're so much more advanced than us that they understand how to do certain things. Mm-hmm. They've evolved in a way that humans haven't. And what I do put in the book is can't. They can't evolve because the world has been set up in a way for humans, to their minds to be imprisoned. Wow. Our minds are limited. Our beliefs are limited. And it's because certain things like religion, sort of politics and everything else, our society is structured in a way that we cannot, it limits our beliefs. Wow. It, it sounds like there are some parables uh, in, your, uh, some parables, yeah. in, in your book. Wow. That's cool, man. That's cool. So um, I noticed that on Amazon, there's volume one. And so you're working on volume two now? I'm, I'm almost finished volume two. I think there's going to be about three or four books. Okay. Okay. Same protagonist? It's the same protagonist, yes. That's cool. That's cool. And her name? Her name is Tiana. Tiana. Okay. Now, is that one of your children's names? Be, be honest. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of my daughters, her name is Tia. So I kind of formed it off my, one of my daughters. That's nice, man. Yeah, I, I put my kids in some of the, in some of the books and everything. <laughs> yeah. that, that's cool, man. That's cool. Listen, um, this has been really interesting. So when I think about what you told me about the book, I mean, there's an old saying, any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. So that, that goes to your point. Um, if we were to, if we were to say, uh, let's say your, your book were to be a movie, is there a movie out there that's similar in essence to what you, that what you've created in the ancient ones? Um, the closest might be the matrix. Hmm. Okay. Cause again, the matrix has got that hero's journey of that, right. the chosen one. And, um, he ends up dying and when he's reborn again, he's super powerful. You know what I mean? He's got all those. That is the, but it's kind of, it's kind of different. It, I, I will say, and you will even see it in some of the reviews. My story is very original. There's really nothing like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've it's, never, I I've never seen anybody gonna... write stuff with a basis with the with the sentient basis. I haven't seen it. Yeah, there, there is, there is, um, it is very different. It does have aspects of anime in it, in terms of the action. Really. Yeah, because there's a lot of fight scenes and okay. uh, there's a lot of violence. All right, so that so that means the fellas will enjoy it. Yeah, it's a, if it will, it will be uh, it will it's a definitely an act, the heart of the story is an action and adventure, but it's mm-hmm. got lots of deep elements to it, kind of like Star Wars. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I almost so 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 the 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 main character is probably. Uh, Hmm. I don't know why. What's that? What's that old anime? And when I when I hear what you're saying about uh, uh, Tiana, I'm thinking of um, is it is it Aeon Aeon Flux, Axion Flux? I, think, I know what you're talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very uh, action oriented. The technology was crazy up there, but you know, yeah. yeah. I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. And I made sure that the character was a mixed sister as well. Oh, well, that's that's greatly appreciated. <laughs> that's greatly appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, I love the cover. The cover is hot. Yeah. 
the cover is hot. Uh, I don't know why I feel like going into this, but um, this morning I dropped my son off at the airport. My son is studying, um, you know, Japanese and business in Japan. Wow. And, um, yeah, he's been wanting to do it. You mentioned anime. He, he got turned on to, like, Naruto back in the day yeah. and the anime thing. And then, of course, it was the girls, you know what I mean, and everything. And so, so now he's over there studying. And um, I'm so glad. It, it sounds but I'm so glad that he's gone. And I guess I'm going back to the political thing because I feel like, you know, I want some of my kids away from here. Um, maybe I'm connecting to you on a fatherly level. I, 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 I'm kind of glad some of my kids are away from here because, you know, things might get tight around the country. You know yeah. what I mean? Have you ever thought about traveling? I know you, you traveled here, but you ever thought about, you know, I noticed that there's a lot of expats online nowadays hey come to columbia hey come to this place come to this place you ever thought about about traveling and stuff i mean with a writer you can you can travel right yeah you know i do um i've traveled a bit i've been to thailand i've been to parts of asia i've been Mm -hmm. to the middle east i've been around europe Mm -hmm. i've been all around um, america i've even traveled to hawaii Mm -hmm. so people in england travel a lot it's just natural it's okay. a different culture over there. Um, you don't um, live to work, you work to live. Wow, that's exactly the opposite of America. Exact opposite of America. You People work from nine to five when they finish, they, they're done. Where when you're over here, you just work all the hours God gives you and it's all about work, 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 work. And then people get vacation time and they're even scared to take it. Um, yeah. Where in England, you get a standard of five weeks. Wow. That's the standard. Now, you don't have to work like 20 years to, to, to build that up? No, no, not at all. You get five weeks. Mm. And um, to travel abroad from England is very inexpensive because I guess England's centered to everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, so people in England travel all the time. Every, it is very rare you'll meet someone from England that mm-hmm. isn't very well traveled. Wow. That's something. Yeah, where he is, I mean, he's a hop, skip, and a jump from... I guess New Zealand, Australia, Korea, uh, even China, I suppose. Yeah, um, very nice. Japan is somewhere I, I haven't visited yet, and I definitely want to. I, yeah. I will be visiting there very soon. Yeah, uh, my son is, you know, he's, he likes to do films. <laughs> he does little YouTube videos. He wants to be kind of like an action star kind of thing, right? We'll and uh, <clears throat> he, he, he told me at one time he was, they was filming a chase scene. Right. It's him and his college buddies. They are dressed up in werewolf costumes. They had toy plastic guns and they found us like abandoned road and they're trying to and they're driving and, you know, filming and everything. And they got pulled over by the cops uh, with military assault weapons. I was oh. like, are you are you serious? Yeah, we was, it was dressed up in werewolf costumes. And, OK, so <laughs> my son tells me he walks past the cops. He was going to the gym. He walked yeah. past the cops in Japan, in this city, and uh, he said they smiled, they bowed, and they stepped out of his way and let him walk past. Oh. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I said they treat you like a human. So I guess I said all that to say I know that some countries do some things better yeah. than America in terms of, you know, the, maybe the capitalism piece might be done. You know, I know healthcare is definitely done better in other places 
you know, I think that some countries do things better. Like, for example, what do you think that uh, that England does better? You always mention like the the life work balance. You would say that's better in in England than yeah, definitely better. And also, if you're a woman and you are pregnant, you can get six um, you get six months of maternity leave paid. Wow, it's huge. Compared do you to guys other. still have the national healthcare service over there? Is that has that been privatized? They do. They do, but what I will say is a government-run national health service is not very good. Really? In, yeah, in terms of um, the doctors and nurses, I believe, are underpaid, so they don't want to really do their job properly. Okay. And you could go to the hospital and you could be waiting there for hours before they see you. Hmm. Service is terrible. Where over here, I find the service is far better. So well, maybe I, some kind of hybrid between government run and between the two. But what I will say is drugs are a lot more inexpensive in England than they are over here. They okay. rip you off with the price of drugs. Hmm. I don't think I don't believe that these pharmacies need to make that much profit on these drugs. Right. Um, hmm. A good example is I had um, an aunt that came from Florida to London mm-hmm. and there was a cream that she needed and we were able to get it set in terms of dollars it was about ten dollars at the pharmacy in england okay in florida she had to pay 150 dollars for this same cream god damn so yeah been there. of the creams to take back with her but that's an example where they don't need to make that much money off the um the drugs it's ridiculous mm-hmm. uh what about housing is is the pricing of housing comparable is oh, it reasonable over there problem. England's far more expensive than America. There's no comparison. Gas really? Like, uh, yeah, that gas is like $9 a gallon. Damn! Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, house prices, are, for what you get, it's far more expensive because they're very small. And London's very crowded as well. Um, now, I heard that London was, was uh, like New York or something, but I thought outside of I London, it's I not reasonable. To, uh, London London so it- is... London's not much larger than Great Adventure. Wow. Okay. And there's about 9 million people that live there. But within, when you, people that work and commute through London, over 21 million. It's a lot. It's crowded. It's a crowded place. Yeah. Hmm. And very multicultural as well, which a lot of people wouldn't realize. Mm -hmm. When I speak to people, the perception is that it's all white people. It's not true at all. There's every culture you could think of under the sun in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta, yeah, I gotta get on uh, TV or podcast or something, man. We, we, all I see is uh, my daughter watches. I, what's that show? Keeping up appearances. Yes. Ain't no colored people on there, man. <laughs> when it comes to race relations, yeah, uh, and equality in terms of minorities versus whites, uh-huh. it's fifty years behind America. Damn. It's very, very bad. Very, wow. very bad. But uh, y'all had them protests over there, though. I saw them uh, Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. Yeah, I've seen that they're doing a few protests, but they've still got a long way to go. And I think what's the worst part is that it's the mentality. I think that you get a lot of kids growing up, black kids growing up, not believing that they can make something of their life unless they're in the music industry or if yeah. they're a sports star. Yeah. They don't understand that they can study and become something else much more. Um, right. But 
in England, though, they will hold you back, though, if you are black, because you don't fit in. Wow. They stop fitting. They're not going to promote you up the ranks. The, and when I think about it, there's only one friend who's black who has made it in the corporate world back in England. She's the only one. Where wow. everyone else that I know who has succeeded either runs their own business or they made it in sports and music. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's something, man. That's something. Yeah. That's something. Well, well, I want to thank y'all for uh, Luther. That's my favorite TV show with Elder Alba. I love Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lou Friend. He just does a fantastic job. He does, man. He's he's oh. one of the best actors out there. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that he's starting a film company called Green Door or something. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So I hope he uh, I hope he continues to uh, go from strength to strength. Uh, listen, Chris, man. I know we've gone all over the place, man. But um, just tell the people how they can uh, find your book, The Ancient Ones: The Prophecy of a Lot. Did I, I yeah, I'll that. Yeah, um, that. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it through Goodreads as well. Um, maybe the easiest way to find it is type C E L N A L L A N on Google, <laughs> and it will come up. Okay, righteous. Now, is it just an electronic book? Can you get it in paperback as well? You could get it in paperback as well, yes. Righteous, righteous, righteous. Cool, man. And uh, where are you on uh, social media and uh Tell us your website. Oh, um, my website is cealan.com and I am on Twitter, author C E Allen. I'm active on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I follow you on Twitter, man. And uh, there was one thing you posted. Uh, yeah, you- Yo, fam, what's going on with you? I hope y'all dug that interview. This is Jonathan Soul Speak with you now. I want you to support my brothers and sisters by following them on social media. And going to their website and picking up that product so we can stop focusing so much on issues and start focusing on building industry. For more episodes, go to JonathanSoul.com, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-O-U-L.com. And of course, I'm on social media. I'm on uh, it's Jonathan Soul at Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on uh, SoundCloud. And um, I'm over at uh, Black Spot as well, that terrific Facebook competitor. Listen, family, I love you guys, and I want all your dreams to come true. And my dreams can't come true without you, and yours can't come true without me. So let's support each other, and let's build this thing together. I love you guys. Peace and love to you and your family. Till next time. Yeah.